The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Toy and welcome once again to a came from the radio facility, Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. We have none other than senior correspondent Charlie Saladino. Hey, <laughs> we have none other than Ashley Sarcasms, <laughs> hey. uh, Dominic Definition Man Serrano. Hello, fun seekers. <laughs> and we have from the life of Jenny, Jenny Felder. Welcome a- to the show. I now go by L Man, by the way. Jenny Felder's dead. Oh, so that, wait, I got to change that now? <laughs> you don't have to. You can do whatever you want. All right, thank so you. Is that L <laughs> M- man like Hebrew or L man like Spanish? No, she's, like she's, spelled, she's, spelled, she's Feldy. So Feldman, L man, yeah, you know. She well, kinda, L man uh, is a shortened version of Jennifer Lee Feldman. And L means God. So also God man. And L man is also the man. So all the above. Yes. So. All the above. <laughs> that's. That's. That's a lot right there for me to contemplate. It's a process, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So on this week's show, we have another Jay Burnley segment um, from the L.I. Who, uh, Jenny Feli, L-Man, and senior correspondent Charlie <laughs> Saladino interview actor John Davies. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Dominic Definition Astronaut has an interview with uh, Wilson Ramos, comic, uh, comic guy Wilson Ramos. Indeed. Great really? interview. So but before we do any of that, actually, before we even do that part, I have to do a, a quick shout out. I forgot. I forgot about this. So I want to do a shout out for um, the TD Bank in Hewlett, New York, and especially Alan Lipisky, L-I-P-S-K-Y, Lipsky, Lipisky. Um, Alan is a really good guy. He's able to handle all of your banking needs. He's uh, really extremely helpful for what I needed to do. So I want to give him a shout out. So that is the uh, TD Bank on Veterans Memorial Highway in Hewlett. New York. So give them a call for all your banking needs at 516-612-9747. Thanks, Alan. Shout Uh, out to Titty Bank and Dick Sporting Goods. (laughs) Alan Alan's a really good guy. Yeah, see, Charlie knows. So before we so now, before we do any of that, we can take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! News is brought to you in part by the fine folks on Sci-Fi.radio. Yes, it's brought to you in part by Alan, <laughs> as well as the fine folks on Sci-Fi.radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comic bookness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention is scheduled for March 26th. And uh, tickets are on sale right now. Um, and also, I want to do our shout outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, Alan, 
Uh, yes, Alan is also a Patreon. <laughs> Alan's the best man ever. Um, <laughs> Danny Girl, award-winning director Jared Perel, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous, Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rather Art, The Huracan, Yasmin Ray, and Rosa. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camefromradio.com. There's a button right on there that says donate. It takes you right to our Patreon page. And just for $8 a month, you can get a shout-out. Huh. All right, so let's see. We start off with the, as always, the sad news. Um, actor Howard uh, Hesman died recently from complications of colon surgery. While he was in a slew of movies and TV shows, Howard is perhaps best known for his role as Dr. Johnny Fever in 96 episodes of the series WKRP in Cincinnati, which ran from 1978 to 1982, and its sequel series, uh, the new WKRP in Cincinnati, which ran from 1991 to 1993, as well as that of Charlie Moore in 96 episodes of the... Wait, that's not right. Why is it 96 for both of them? Huh. Um <clears throat> Of the series Head of the Class, which ran from 1986 to 1990. Charlie, Santa Claus, Charlie Saladino. Johnny Man. Yeah, Johnny so. Man, his, his delivery on the WKLP Cincinnati was, was flawless. He was, um, oh, yeah, very funny. Was that I'm an ABC man. show? Was he there when you were there? Uh, no, I believe that was either two or four. I'm not ah. sure. I don't think it was ABC. Ah, In okay. fact, I'm sure it wasn't ABC. Because you were there and he wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. It's a good yeah. way to know. Well, all those, all those shows came out of uh, California or wherever Alan said they're coming out of. Right, right. So he you was. Know, a, I'm, uh, yes, no, I know I'm running. Yes. Yes, I know. Yeah. Uh, so he was a young 81 years old. Uh, Alan is a new Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> either of you two, uh, Dominic, uh, Jen, uh, fans of Howard Hessman's work? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> terrible. That's so terrible. <laughs> I remember him from Head of the Class. Yes. Yes. That's, so that's yes. more than WKRP. So I remember him. I think he did four seasons of that. And then the fifth season. Um, they got Billy Connolly. Yeah. was Billy Connolly. And that was actually my first real introduction to Billy Connolly. As was I. Uh, which I've liked Billy Connolly ever since. Uh, as well, but yeah, that's what I remember him the most for. Right, um, and I enjoyed his work when he was, when he was doing that. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, so moving on for some more sad news, former child star and actor Peter Robbins also died recently of suicide. Uh, Peter was the very first person to voice Charlie Brown in an animated special with a boy named Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's All Stars. You're in love, Charlie Brown. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. He's your dog, Charlie Brown. It's the Short Summer, Charlie Brown, and of course. The Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, obviously, if if you grew up at a certain time, or hell, they, even nowadays, if you watch that Christmas show, so that is him. He was, you know, the iconic first voice of Charlie Brown. So uh, he was a, a, a spry sixty-five years old. Yeah. So sad. No, that's why it's sad news. Oh, yeah, I, I think does. Oh, go ahead. As I Google him, it says that he had a lifelong battle with mental illness. Oh. So, but not to say, like, not that it excuses suicide, but it certainly gives context. Right. I know. I just started fighting it for a long time. I just started, I think, yesterday that suicides are up a crazy amount in the last two years. Yeah. I'm not shocked. Not- I'm really, I wouldn't be shocked because of the situation we find ourselves in. No way not. I, I, yeah. I really don't know a single person that isn't under some type of crazy stress right now. I can't think of one, not yeah. one. 
So uh, moving on for the last bit of sad news, mm-hmm. which is uh, a little personal for me. Independent freelance writer, editor, executive producer, and podcaster Meredith Longman also died. Why am I hearing myself? <laughs> I'm hearing uh, I'm it like myself. Charlie, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. me. Yeah, what's up? I hear, I hear, I'm hearing myself. <laughs> I, I'm hearing I, a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Yeah, it's not me. Okay. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just keep it moving. It's Elman <laughs> because she now. No, she uh, has her. She, yeah, she's fine she, right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, anyway. You know why she's fine right now? She muted her, her microphone. Anyway, but I still hear it. That's the thing. Um, independent it, it, writer, editor. It, yes. Okay. Yeah, no, Charlie, freelance writer. Charlie, Charlie mute, <laughs> mute yourself for a second. I think that's. This is there. We go. This, we're we're live on on tape right now. Um, last bit yeah. of sad news: Independent freelance writer, editor, executive producer, and podcaster Meredith Logren uh, also died recently. And as of this recording, which is February second, two thousand twenty-two, uh, no official cause of death has been announced. Um, I personally had only met her while guest co-hosting on a live stream show um, last year, and I only got to know her for a short uh, time. Then uh, she was so kind and friendly to me, and she had a true passion for the indie artists. And what makes it worse is that I had just seen her live stream show, uh, Raging With, on Sunday, which was like two to two, uh, three days ago, and then I found out that she had died two days afterwards. Wow. So, yeah, so she was a, a young 50 years old. Like, do we know? How? As of, how as of right now, uh, no cause of death has been announced. Um, uh, I, I had been informed that she did have, was diagnosed with breast cancer, but it was not that. And it was like within the course of a day or two. So uh, we're not exactly sure. And as soon as I find out, I will mention it. It but, could. Yeah. Having some personal experience, sometimes you pass from cancer but it wasn't the cancer sometimes right. it's the treatment that gets you or a drug that they put you on to keep you in remission so it could have been a complication of it unfortunately either right. way it's a it's a sad thing yeah very sad yeah and like i said she was just a, a really sweet passionate person it's just one of those guys who you meet like oh this is gonna be a friend for a long time and that just didn't happen <sighs> all right I'm so so for, for the for not as sad news, let's move on to the not as sad news. From the That's a lot of nuts department. At a recent <laughs> auction, Marvel Comics, uh, The Incredible Hulk number one, issue number one, was sold for a record smashing four hundred and ninety million uh, million, four hundred and ninety thousand dollars. Sorry, oh, <laughs> I, I read the one extra zero. <laughs> Whoa! According to con- ComicConnect.com, which handled the sale, the auction comic was grabbed was graded at a nine point zero, uh, which is a very fine near mint quality. Experts say. <clears throat> The highly graded copies of Hulk number one are notorious hard to find due to the cheap paper used and the smudging of the gray color on the front cover. There are only seven copies of the same issue known to exist with higher ratings, and it is extremely rare to find one offered for sale. Uh, For those keeping track, a copy of Action Comics number one, which contains the first appearance of Superman, set the world record for a complex sale in April of 2021 when it was auctioned for $3.25 million. 
Mm. Wow. But it ain't it's amazing how much. <laughs> yes, it's not 490 million. <laughs> Ninety million dollars. You know, like you could be Doctor Evil with that kind exactly. of. Exactly. You know, we've been doing this show for a long time, and if we, we keep been. on doing this show, maybe we will have that as a news. Yeah, you're right. It'll be an NFT. It'll be like some type of monkey that someone's selling. You know. <laughs> hey, we should start. We should start selling NFTs. Apparently, that's. The, I still it's don't understand thing. how you make money with NFTs. By selling I don't get it. it. <laughs> I know everyone's like by selling it, but. How like I hear about these people? They made like a million dollars, two million, like this, and it's a picture of a monkey. And yes, like, because somebody bought it for a million dollars. That's how. They, and then people get upset. People get upset when they like take screenshots and like start using it for free. It's like, oh yeah, really? That's the yeah. Well, heard, it's like, not. Well, I mean, they can take screenshots, but they don't own it. They can you know pass it around. You can, the the argument was you can go to a museum and see the post and a picture, but you don't own it. <laughs> And that's, right. that's the difference. What about buying food? Like food's expensive now, especially if like there's a shortage. Yeah. How about we just like do that? NF- NFT foods. Yes. Let's do NFT foods. Is that what you're saying? Or just buy food? Well, just re- buy food. Yeah. Real okay. Food. All right. <laughs> so, food. so moving on from the. That's a lot of nuts. Department. That's a lot of nuts. A single page of original artwork from the 1984 comic Secret Wars issue number eight has just sold for a record $3.36 million. So the page of comic book, the original page of artwork, sold more than the highest-selling comic book in its entirety. Uh, The page features the first appearance of Spider-Man's black symbiote suit that will later lead to the creation of Venom. But I was keeping track. The previous record holder for a page was the first appearance of Wolverine in Hulk issue number 180, which sold for $657,000. That's a huge jump. Wow. They should turn it into an NFT. (laughs) Now, if I remember right, it was... Was Todd McFarlane working on the book at that point? No, no. When when it became that, no. This this is Secret Wars issue number eight when he when Spider Man's uh, classic costume got damaged, and then they just gave him a black costume for no apparent reason. And then later on, they decided to make it into Venom and and all that stuff when Todd McFarlane was doing the book. If I'm not mistaken, he he came. You think he comes on later and then changes it into the symbiote? Yes, correct. Okay, it was I was just not... wondering because one, we we've had Todd McFarlane on the show, yes, and I would love to get like a follow up interview of his take on on like that much if that was his artwork. But that that's sold? No, this was uh this was Mike Zek. Like okay. I said, this is from the actual Secret Wars first appearance of Spider Man's black costume ever. It's in well, the most interesting part is this: there is a documentary that's on HBO, and you can watch it on HBO Max. It came out several years ago called The Price of Everything, I believe. And it's about the reselling of art in the art community and how much, like, you could buy a piece of art from someone, say, for $5,000. Right. And hold on to it for, like, two, three years and then claim it's now worth $50,000 and resell it. And to some degree, that's exactly what just happened. But it was with comic book art. Yeah. Someone had this piece of art, bought it probably at a show, held on to it and now can resell it for this massive amount of money and the problem with that is that the artists themselves he got his page rate and that was it you get nothing yeah they got the page rate or whatever it was 
or he, he got whatever he sold it for at a show, 100, 200, 300 bucks. Right. And now, boom, he's out of it. It's been an issue with that. that yeah. I suppose that's where the NFTs come in, that you could now have the rights to something. Right. So let's see. So for the last bit of news, to complete the trifecta, for the trifecta, from Lee. That's a lot of nuts! The Spider-Man. The second third Spider-Man film has reclaimed the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in an additional $11 million, beating out the new Scream sequel, which had briefly knocked Spider off two weeks ago. For those keeping track, Marvel films, uh, accounting both from Disney and Sony, accounted for 30% of the entire box office in 2021. Uh, with the releases of Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Venom Part 2, the aforementioned Venom Part 2, and uh, the second, third Spider-Man film, all of which were in the top six box office totals for 2021. Uh, also, for those of you keeping track, the aforementioned Spidey film is the highest grossing film of this year at, uh, at $163 million, followed by Scream Number 2, which is at $62 million. I think the movies are coming back, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I heard Scream 2 sucked, according to, uh, well, publicly, Chris Marciante, who runs the Vault Film Festival, he posted that publicly. I want to know why he said it sucked. Have you guys seen it? I have yet seen it yet. My, my avenues of, of watching films hasn't, hasn't presented itself to me yet. I know um, uh, Dominic watches a comic book and, and horror. Actually, no, Dominic hates horror movies, right, Dominic? Did I lose Dominic? Oh, shoot. Hey, Mark, could you hear me? Yes. Oh, God. Somehow you muted on? me. Someone and, muted me. Who muted yeah, me? someone muted me, too. Okay. Oh. So let's, let's, and it, it said the host just muted yeah. you. <laughs> so, let's, so I know Dominic is uh, against horror, guys, right? I'm not. Like, Scream isn't so much horror as it's suspenseful. I don't know how to describe it. It's a little, little different. Okay, so but, did you it's see kind it? Kind of hilarious. No, I didn't see it just in general because I don't. All right. I, I don't care. There's so many more things <laughs> to watch out there, Mark. Like like episode six of the Book of Boba Fett, I which see. just came out today, which was oh my god. So I hate it. You'd hate it, but it so, was great. So I've heard. Uh, Charlie, did you see uh, the new screen? Uh, no, I have no. Uh, I have. Desire I don't want to see. It. I don't want to see it. Were you a fan of the original screen? I'm a, I'm no, not at all. Really? I mean, when you see the first scream, and then everything else just being a dead horse. Huh. So interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I like I like the first um, groundbreaking horror movies, and then they just go off and like, like the birds. You wish everything was like the birds. Boyds. <laughs> Boyds. I did dirty, like the... disgusting, lice ridden. If it's bite. not the if it's not the birds, it's for the birds. Did a boom. I did like the. We tried a peasant. I did like the original uh, scream, and I thought that the uh, oh, yeah. the reveal was amazing because I don't think that had ever been done up until that point. So I was like, holy crap! And then the second movie, they did the same thing. So I was like, holy crap! So then when the third movie came out. I was like, oh boy, what are they going to do to top this? And then they went back to one, and I was like, oh, well, that's not good. And then it was Noel, spoilers, and I was like, he can't be the killer. So that was terrible. And then um, the fourth movie, uh, when they revealed the killer, if you actually watch the movie a second time, knowing who the killer is, 
it doesn't make any kind of sense because the character isn't where she's supposed to be killing people and then she magically appears somewhere else. So it felt like they decided who the killer was like in the end of the movie as opposed to actually knowing who the killer was throughout the movie as the original films did. So I rest my case. (laughs) But I heard so except except for uh, uh, L-Man Jenny Felody, um, I heard that the movie was pretty decent. So I, I haven't seen it yet, so I'll, I'll have to hold my, uh, my review. Dying until to see it. Ha, that's funny. <laughs> so with uh, less than a minute and a half to go, uh, Senior Correspondent Charlie Saladino, do you have any final thoughts for this segment? Uh, no, I just want to say so long to Alan. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> no, no, from the show, from all of us. At the oh, okay. A big dead kitties to Alan. Dominic Definition Man Toronto. No, did I start that with saying some bad news? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Dominic Definition Man Toronto. Your final thought? Uh, Yes, this is obviously one of the episodes that has gone completely off the rails, and I like (laughs) you noted that I had nothing to do with it this time. I was on the rails. I'm I'm still on the rails. I'm looking at the rails. Matter of fact, on the rails, I can see the train coming to hit me. I hate the rails. L man, Jenny Feldy, you have a final thought for this one. I'm going to actually plug myself for the first time ever. Yes, plug. Do some plugging. I recreated recreated the Drew Barrymore scream opening scene at the Vault Film Festival. Pretty fun. So uh, I have more edits coming of that live, wacky, crazy show, which I invented and made a soundtrack for. And if you're into wacky scream stuff, you'll probably like it. Will it be on the uh, yeah. Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube pages? All, all of three. the above. All, all the right. above. There you go. So with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with Game from the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. This is Brian Downey, Stanley Tweedle from the TV series Lex, and you're listening to It Came From Radio. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. Keep listening. Net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hi, this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. I'm here with... Uh, Jenny Feldy with Major Trust Issues with John Davey. We're going to try this a second time. Thank you so much. Um, how do you feel being here for a second time? Actually, a third time today. Yes, uh, thank you. Well, my name is John Davey, and I have minor trust issues. I'm here at LI Hukon as a guest. Um, quick brief intro to what I do. I am in the show called Doctor Who that is made by the BBC in, in Britain, and I play many of the monsters, and I've been around about 40 different monsters and characters in the last 50 episodes, over the last 17 years. 
Do you ever get jealous of the doctors? No, not at all. I know my place and I know my range and I see these amazing actors we have on the show and I look at them and I'm and I respect their acting ability because acting is not an easy profession at all. No. And I'm like, you know what? Put me in an uncomfortable costume that's very hot and I can't breathe, I can't see, I can't hear and I can do my job moving around and hit my marks. I'll leave the uh, the air quoting here the proper acting to the professionals that was one of my jokes last night i'm gonna do a clean version i can't see i can't speak i can't hear what am i uh the perfect victim for a crime that's that's the clean version of it that's the clean version come to my show over the dirty version all right so i wanted to know there's winners there's losers what are some behaviors you've seen on sets or in the entertainment industry or, or in skateboarding that you think are just loser behavior that people need to stop? They're getting their own way. What should we stop doing? Um, well, I've been, I've been guilty of a lot of things when I was younger. Um, and it, um, having jealousy and resentment doesn't ever push things forward. In the short term, it might work if you step over people to get where you're going. But in the long game, you know, the most important thing are the people around you, the people who respect you. Um, never complain. Never complain about what's happening to you, what's happening to other people. If somebody gets a role and you don't, be happy for them. You know, um, don't take it personally, which is the major one. Some things may happen on a TV or a film set. You may not get the role. You may not get the screen time in front of camera. There's a thousand things going on in the background, so never take anything personally. Um, it's ironic that the industry generally attracts people um, that need love and praise and attention. Um, however, probably 95% of it is rejection. So, yeah, you're going to be rejected a lot. You may not be right for the role. You may be right for the role. But things happen. And as I said, don't take things personally. Don't get better. Don't get bitter. Get better. Nice. You don't get it. That's Just work on yourself. All right. Someone likes someone better than you. I, hey, it happens. I'm, I'm around very talented people all the time. Sometimes I'm not the favorite. You know what? Maybe I can work on that. And maybe just be okay with not being the best. You're not always going to be people's favorite. That's it. End the story. Especially if you're surrounded by talent. So um, I have an inkling that you don't have alcohol. I, I, I'm a trained psychic, so I'm going to guess. You haven't really had alcohol for the last two years, and I don't think you eat a lot of dairy. So what are some foods you avoid or and some foods you eat to stay powerful and sharp playing these 40-plus characters? Yeah, so um, squeezing into a suit is part of what my job is, and um, obviously keeping fit. So things that I do to keep fit is uh, I do a lot of yoga, a lot of stretching, uh, I do a lot of skateboarding. I've got an electric skateboard, uh, which travels around about 37 miles an hour. Um, I see certain people, especially cyclists, and they say, oh, that's cheating, but... I say to him, will you have a go? So the board that I got is, is technically a mounted board. You're strapped in like a snowboard. Uh, it's four-wheel drive. You can go off-road. You can go off, off grass, up mountains. And it takes a lot of core stability. Uh, also, it hits all the uh, primal caveman buttons in my brain that I'm flying down the road at 30 miles an hour. Uh, I'm getting a, a huge 
dump of dopamine and adrenaline. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's how I get my kicks. I don't drink anymore. Right. Uh, I found I wasn't being very productive. Uh, started blaming other things, and I'm thought, well, you know. If I go out on the lash, I spend two to three days not functioning properly. Right. Especially, and all especially the weight. I stopped drinking and it's like I don't have any weight problems. Uh, stopped eating wheat, uh, wheat and dairy pretty much. Um, again, oy, the weight goes off and yeah. I don't feel tired anymore. Yeah. So it sounds not so rock and roll. Uh, it sounds a bit boring, but you know what? You know, you've only got a short time on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to make the most of it. You only live once. I mean, it was boring feeling sick of being sick and tired. I actually just reintroduced cheese back in my diet. I feel tired. Do you feel like a tired malaise when you have cheese in your diet? Or is there any symptoms that you feel specifically with cheese and dairy? Well, I have wonderful cheese dreams anyway, which is good for a creative mind. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I kind of forgot about what it's like okay. to just feel... Yeah. So, yeah, everybody, well, everyone's body's different. You know, I know people that can just eat anything they want and they stay in shape. But, yeah, for me, it's, um, it's meat, plenty of meat, plenty of salad and vegetables. Uh, the hotel we're staying in, I can believe it, it gives, like, the biggest portions on earth. My side salad was a Caesar salad that was enough just to feed me for two days. Um, but, but, yeah. Looking good, feeling good. Um, I was in the show Doctor Who last weekend, episode three, playing one of the Cybermen again. Um, And probably in a year's time, if we have this conversation, then uh, I'll be able to tell you about more characters that I played. And last question, because you're a busy guy. you got to go. Time to eat some steak for you. My last question would be, what is your favorite and least favorite personas to play? Oh, well... I love to play evil villains. Me too, my favorite. I think it's good because you're given an opportunity to be a bit but. to people uh, and there's no recourse. You know, it's your job to be horrible and but. to people. Um, I would say my, my least favorite thing, ironically enough, is to have a lot of dialogue on camera. Okay. <laughs> Put me in an uncomfortable costume. You know, I cannot breathe, I cannot see, I cannot hear, I'm extremely hot, but I have to navigate my way around a set, hit my marks. I'm totally happy with that. I see these amazing actors uh, that I've worked with on Doctor Who, and I just look at their acting ability, and it's a skill, and it's not easy at all. And I'm like, you know what? I know my range. So, um, so yeah, being evil and then being a little bit in the background, I'm totally happy with that. Trying to be up front on camera, maybe not so much. It's a lot because I'm a trainer and I do both. I like playing the villain. I like being crazy, but it's exhausting doing the dialogue and being physical. It's a lot. You're clearly a very physical guy. You got your dopamine. You got to go. And where can we find you? You can find me all over social media at johndavey 7 which is J-O-N-D-A-V-E-Y-007. Thank you very much. And more, it came to the radio with Jenny Feldy and... Charlie Saladino.
and uh, I just want to say, I just want to say, I want to thank John because he was a real gentleman. He said he was coming back to do this interview, and he came back to do three times, three times. So, <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much, John, and it was a pleasure seeing you again. Thank you very much, and I'm sure I'll be back. <laughs> Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Army of Thieves. Yes, it's a heist caper wrapped in a zombie movie, or sort of like in a zombie movie, wrapped in a heist movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Army of Thieves and Army of the Dead the are two completely different genres in a way for movies. Well, yeah, they just live in the same world, the universe, their universe. Ah. So Army of the Dead came out like a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, this this year or the 2021. So it came out and it was like a big thing because it had the guy from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Drax. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And uh, he, oh, I think, I forget, Dave, Dave something? I forgot his name. I don't know. But anyway, so he was in the movie. It's a whole zombie movie where they go and try to get money out of a bank, right? And it's mm -hmm. all behind-the-scenes zombie stuff. This is the prequel to that movie. Which was a lot better. <laughs> which was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so this was, what was this really about? Um, Basically... A random guy, he's, like, sort of, I guess, boring. He lives a, like, day-to-day, -day, regular life. And then he gets approached by this... Well, he has a passion for bank robberies. Well, well, high, no, well safes. For safes, yeah. Right? And unlocking locks. So, uh, someone finds him, like, invites him. Oh, there's, like, this three... Height, heist things. That well, we can... yeah, well, good explanation. <laughs> but it's really about like um, the guy does his. He's a very lonely guy, and he does these YouTube videos about the history of certain safes. Right? Mm -hmm. He has zero likes or or, or views. Views anything? He's like nothing. Right. So suddenly he gets one. Right. He gets <laughs> one comment and one view. Right. And they ask him to come to this. Um, guess it's like a show it's not a show it's a competition mm -hmm. underground competition on how to um crack safes yeah and, or like who's the best safe cracker etc right which he was the the best of course yeah in that uh thing and anyways he gets invited upon like robbing certain banks and right, because they were all built by one guy yeah and you get the description of that at the beginning of the movie and basically they just start robbing banks. <laughs> right, they just get into it and start robbing banks, mainly mm -hmm. because they want to um, be the ones who all cracked all of these banks. Yeah. Right, so they like were... Like, for the legacy, not for the actual money. 
Right, even though, like, some of the group wants the money, so they take yep. the money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of the ca- main character, um, Dieter? Or, so I think, what was his name? Yeah, I think it's Dieter. Simon? Oh, si- yeah, maybe I think it Simon. was something with an S. Yeah, right. Sherman. No, it's not Sherman. Um. <laughs> <laughs> How much we love this movie right now, huh? That's so funny. We yeah. remember the name. Uh, no, Simon. No. <laughs> you don't remember his name. Well, that's so funny because I don't remember. remember it either. <laughs> I know. I don't remember it either. It's so funny. It's funny because we watched this like, what, two weeks ago? Well, you saw this <laughs> twice, right? So yeah. it's kind of like. I um, should remember the name. Well, Whatever. But, um. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. But so yeah, so he's like um he's a very awkward character and you get a lot of secondhand embarrassment. So right. get prepared for that when you watch the movie. But Well, that's the Oh, Ludwig, right? Is it's uh Ludwig, Ludwig Dieter? Ludwig Dieter, I think. Oh, I the, or that's his about second his name in the character. <laughs> no, yeah, his character's name is Ludwig Dieter, I think, or or um Yeah, I think that's what it is. You don't remember? No. But okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was a good film. If you like heist movies and secondhand embarrassment, you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, secondhand embarrassment, that's what you really like to talk about, right? Second, that's, that's... I mean, the visuals in it were great, too. But when you mean secondhand embarrassment, it means you get embarrassed what the character does in the film. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what does he do that you think is so ridiculous? You Everything? don't know. Like, he does a gulp, right? And yeah. he says gulp, you know? Yeah, and it's like, gulp. Like, while <laughs> doing a gulp. It's so... I don't know. <laughs> anyway, do you like this movie? Yes. You recommend this movie? Yes. You've seen it twice? Mm-hmm. No, three times, actually. You've seen it three times? I showed it to my other friend. Oh, my gosh. So you really <laughs> like this movie. Watch it. That's what we have to say. And yes. um, Army of the Dead, you don't have to watch so much, but Army yeah. of Thieves... Uh, Army of Thieves watch Army of the Dead might be a little bit disappointing. <laughs> right, but they, but that's the thing. They they try to break the three banks in this movie and then go for the fourth in Army of the Dead. All right, yeah. that's pretty uh, much it. <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Sebastian! His name was Sebastian. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hello once again, everyone out there. This is Dominic Definition Man Sperano coming to you from a lovely garden space out in a beautiful meadow. Nope, still my basement. Still do, still living in my basement because that's what we geek guys do. We live in basements. With me today is a special guest that we're going to be talking to, Wilson Ramos. Wilson, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm not in a basement. I'm in my studio that's in my apartment, but... It kind of feels like a basement because it's all full of comic books and toys and, you know, all the things that uh, growing comic book artists need. 
Yeah, oh. currently in in my uh, space, it's it's actually my like illustration studio space, and I'm surrounded by posters of comics and a bunch of other things. So I'm sure it's not too dissimilar to what you got going on. Most likely not. It's just it's a, a nice geek cave, so to speak. Everyone needs to have a good geek cave, man cave, lady cave, she shed, whatever it is, right? Yeah, definitely. Some place to go that makes you feel happy. In my case, makes me feel productive because as I have artwork hanging up from comic book stuff, I, I hope that keeps me going to uh, keep creating comic books and stuff like that. I hope so, too. Now, from what I've read, you are a colorist. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Um, I'm actually uh, I'm a freelance artist that's done a little bit of everything. But I'm mostly known as a colorist and an inker in the comic. I mean, a colorist and a letterer in the comic book industry. You don't want anyone to know that you've inked a comic book? No, I've inked also. It's just that I've, <laughs> I've done a lot more work in lettering. I've done a ton of work in coloring. And then a good, an okay amount of work in let, um, inking and very few pencils. So as, as, and writing, just a couple of things here and there. So that's kind of like the tier. I've done a little bit of everything, but my main bread and butter, I guess you could say, is the production work of the stuff, almost the background stuff. So the coloring and the lettering is kind of like that hidden art. If you notice the lettering, then we didn't really do our job because you're supposed to just read it and go kind of a thing. Almost. Yeah, I mean, with, with, uh, you know, with the way the, uh, the books are put together. Absolutely. Like everyone, you know, the penciler is like the lead singer of the band. Well, actually, no. We'll say the 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 writer's the lead singer, and the penciler is the lead guitarist, right? So they're the ones that get the most thing, and and the inker's the bassist. But you could definitely say the colorist does the drums, and quite frankly, the letterer is the manager of the band, making sure that they get paid. Exactly. So that that's the thing. That's that's a very good analogy. And then you also have like the roadies, which is the production guys. So I help put the books together to for print. Yeah. So like you you definitely are doing like the unsung hero work of the comic book industry. I mean, people don't really appreciate lettering until they see bad lettering. Exactly. It's, it's one of those things as I mentioned before. If you notice the lettering, you kind of like aren't really doing your job it needs to be hidden but it's that fine line because the word the words have to be there because it, comic books is words and pictures but you don't want one over dominating the other oh no no and like i mean you can get away with obviously doing get away sometimes it works for a book to have it in black and white but there's just something about like lettering that it's it's subtle and as you said if you if you don't notice it and you're just flowing as you read it it's done correctly but if you're like tripping over where the words are supposed to be and people don't realize that they don't that that they will notice when the lettering is bad they don't think they're going to notice but you will notice because like suddenly you're missing sentences you're missing where where the cues are uh, and it completely takes the reader out of the story Yes, exactly. I Thank guess. you. I like to think I know a little thing about comics every once in a while. <laughs> so <laughs> between the coloring, the lettering, and the back-end production, you're the one who's really most responsible for a book coming together. 
Uh, yes, the uh, I would say the production portion of it is is the it's the hidden cost in comics that people do not think about. Uh, I've worked with with plenty of companies and especially a bunch of indie creators that don't realize that oh some stuff has to be put together at the end. You know, you need a PDF to go to print, and there's so many ways to get to that PDF, but people don't understand there's so many other things that are involved. Uh, as for Apex Comics, I'm the art director, so I'm also trafficking a little bit of the artwork. So the coloring art comes, um, the ink pages will come in, and I take a look at them, and I make sure that these are the files that are going both to the letterer and the colorist because you want them to be the same size. So at the end, when you merge everything together, um, it makes it easy because the more work that's involved, the less time you have. And with comic books, we're always going right to deadline basically because any time you have that you can squeeze in to make sure all the things are done the corrections and and what have you like it, it almost gets to the point that sometimes you'll find the most blatant mistake after the book got published you don't want to get <laughs> to that point so it's looking at everything and making sure that everyone is forget the pun on the same page that the colorist is going to be sending you the right sizes and the letterer is going to send you the right sizes so it gets merged together. And that's also what makes comic book fun because you do not have to be one person doing it all yourself. It is, it is a conveyor-like system. So you have the penciler starts, he does five pages, he sends it in, and the inker starts working on it, and then the penciler goes to work on the next set of pages. And as they come in, it can flow quite well and hopefully cut down on any mistakes. But there always going to be there we're all human most of the time so we got to make sure that we can not only hit the deadlines make sure everything is going correct and the biggest thing is the production that people sometimes completely forget oh there is this hidden thing that has to happen before it gets to the printer and some people mm. just think oh if i'll write the comic book we'll get an artist and then we go to print and it's like no, there's there's so many steps in between yeah, they just don't understand that just because you've hired an artist doesn't mean like there's the subgenres of what this artist will do. Is this art or the artist the 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 penciler? Is can they ink? Can they color? Usually, no. Usually, the penciler the penciler will maybe want to do their own inks, but it's very rare that you have the penciler who also wants to do their own inks, do their coloring, and do the lettering and all on the job. Right, because there's only you know each book comes out. A uh, 22-page normal comic book comes out monthly. It doesn't really give you enough time to really work on everything. So um, I personally think is one of those things where, yes, uh, an artist can do the pencils and inks. They don't have to um, because then you don't get those great collaborations, you know, like John Romita Jr. being inked by Scott Hanna or uh, Frank Miller being inked by Klaus Janssen. There's magic there. Those artists can do the inking, but they don't necessarily have to. Uh, Gene Colan and Tom Palmer, this, these combinations that are magical. And I think that's the great thing about comics is that when you have the collaborations, you get something special from it. Uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, you get something special out of that. And, you, you know, they're great creators in their own rights. But when they work together, magic comes out. And I think that's one of the great things about comic books is it's like it's like jazz. There's this combination that comes together that is just beautiful when it when it works well. 
absolutely like it like I keep going back to the idea of a band. It, it is a band. Like if everyone's playing their part and doing their job, or you can even make like a team sport, uh, baseball, football, whatever. When everyone does their job, it comes out great. When someone isn't doing their job and they're holding up the whole, the whole works, it all can fall apart. Yes, exactly. So you're currently the art director at Apex. And what else are you doing with Apex? Well, with Apex, um, we just put out a, a set of books that are uh, part of the Indiegogo campaign as well as Kickstarter. We have uh, The Outer Spaceman. We have mm-hmm. Phaser and um, the other book, for some reason, I'm losing it <laughs> from the tip of my tongue, is, uh, I cannot seem to open my files to get you the correct name of the last book but what i'm doing is um my main title at apex is art director but i i do the lettering coloring on certain projects as well as uh basically putting all the books together for print and we just uh we're getting books out because we have a convention coming up oh the the last one is called the right project um right by um by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. The only reason why I slipped up on that one is because they provided everything. The book is pretty much done. All I had to do was basically slap the covers together, put the book together for print. So I didn't have to work hard on that particular project. That's why it escaped my mind. But again, (laughs) putting these things together, having fun, and, and I'll give you a little background on myself. I've been collecting comics for years, since 1983, and I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. And it just so coincidentally happened to be is that Ron Friends was the artist on the project when I basically started collecting. So this whole thing that came all around again, that here I am working on a project that Ron drew. And it, to me, just blows my mind that I've been lucky to uh, do the type of work that I've been doing. It is one of the cool things when you get into comics that you get to meet I don't want to say heroes, but you get to meet the people whose artwork inspired you and you admire, and you get to know them as people. It's it's a wonderful thing. It's it's and it's such a welcoming, uh, usually such a welcoming media and and group of people in comics. Yes, I I found it my own journey. I found it to be very welcoming. Um, yeah, I would even call some of them heroes. You know, they're definitely my inspiration um, when I started. I was a huge uh, Marvel zombie, and then I've read all the Marvel books. So then I started branching out to the DC books, and then other uh, other genres like, you know, still comic books, but manga and independent stuff because I wanted to devour so much of it. Yeah, I mean, luckily there is so much that can be devoured. Yes, that's the wonderful thing. That's going on. So what were some of the of your favorite books that you got to work on? Oh, um, the thing is, is I've, I've got to work for every major company at some point or another. So I got to work on my favorite characters. I got to work on Spider-Man a little bit. I got to work on Wolverine. I got to work on Deadpool. And that was just for Marvel. Uh, for DC, I did a lot of their mangas. That's what really made me a strong letterer because I did so many manga books the uh you know a comic book is 22 pages a manga can be up to 300 pages so it, it really taught me to become fast and then mm. coloring i've done coloring mainly for marvel and a bunch of independent uh companies so 
there's just so many. Um, I, I, I couldn't just pick one, but um, I think the project that we did with, with um, in the early years of Apex is, is, you know, doing some projects with Stan Lee, um, doing a uh, graphic novel of one of his poems, putting that together. But again, the, the great thing about comics is what's on the next horizon. And being able to work on something like Outer Spaceman, that's wild because that's based on a toy, um, a toy set that came out years before I even started collecting toys, but I knew of them because they have a rich history. So I may have not bought them when, when they were being put out uh, at the beginning, but they've always kind of been there in the background. And a few years back, there was a resurgence of the toys and I got to see it. I was even, um, I even tried out for a comic book that they were thinking about doing and it, it never went anywhere. But then again, here it is, it pops up again. And it's like, oh, wow, I got to really work on Outer Spaceman working over uh, comic book artist Chris Batista, who I've known since the 90s. We both went into the comic industry at the same time. We met about two weeks before we each started working in the industry. Oh, wow. Completely outside. We were, uh, I was dating someone, he was dating some, uh, this, this girl, and they both happened to be really good friends. So we met like at a, uh, a, a get together and we were talking about stuff. I was like, oh, I'm just starting with Marvel. And he was just starting with DC. But, wow. but this is at, back in 1994 and we've worked in the industry all this time. And I never really got to work directly with him. There's some projects he did at Marvel and I ghost colored with the colorist there, but I didn't really do as much as I'm working on now. So it, it was really cool that after all this time, we got to work together. Same thing with Fabian Izieza, who wrote the story. I have known Fabian for my whole comic book career life because when I started, I started in the, um, in the conventions department at Marvel. So uh -huh. I was doing promotional stuff and he was just starting to branch out and do full uh, writing. So every time we were at a con, we always hung out and talked to each other and what have you. So we were always connected that way. Um, so again, I, I, after I did my internship at Marvel, I was there for 10 years. So I got to meet pretty much everyone in the industry because I was working uh, an office job, basically. I did art returns. So I got to meet every artist who was working at Marvel from the 90s to the to, to, to 2004, I knew everyone at some point in time. And people don't realize how small the comic industry is. So I knew everybody at DC also because people left from Marvel and went over to DC. So mm -hmm. the industry is cool, but it's very small. And people don't realize how small it is. So, you know, one day you're working at Marvel, next day you're working at DC, or you're working for so many of the independent companies that are out there. So um, another project that we're doing is called Phaser. Uh, that project I've, I've worked on and off of for a while uh, because, again, it's one of those projects that pops up and I get the call and say, hey, do you want to work on this? And it's always fun to work on stories that are, are new and different. You know, you have Phaser, the man with the thousand powers. So he can basically, he, he's, tra I, don't, I don't know the full story because of the fact that there's time traveling involved and jumping from dimension to dimension that his power shifts and change. So there's always something new going on with that. And that's a lot of fun. And like I mentioned, the right project, really cool because working with comic book legends. And I think that's one of the cool things is that you never know what you're gonna get when, you're, when you get the call to work on projects for comics. 
and especially working on the Apex stuff, because every now and then I'll get a call from Mariano and he'll say, hey, what do you think of this? And to be part of the process from the very beginning, not just being a freelancer who's told, oh, here's, here's the next job, is being asked, hey, what do you think of this artist or what do you think of that is really cool to be part of that process as well. That's so cool. It's so fun to listen to you talk. We have just about three minutes left. So really quickly, where can people find you? Where can they check out your work? How can they get in touch with you if they if they want to hire you as a freelancer or, or for commissions, all that information? Um, you can find me anywhere in social media with uh, Ramos Kaiju, K-A-I-J-U, all my Twitters, my Instagram, all that stuff is under there. If you go to the apexcomics.com website, um, you'll see all the work that I'm currently doing, um, and you can contact us through there as well. Um, that's, that's, that's basically, I, I try to make it as easy as possible to find me on the internet. So we, uh, LinkedIn and all that stuff is Ramos Kaiju, K-A-I-J-U. I have a love of monster stuff. That's why the Kaiju is there. Very good. Very good. Wilson, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being here with us. Definitely. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. And with that, let's go back to the show. Hey, guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Michael McManus. I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. If you had any honor... You would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! This is the amazing question. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From the Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. 
You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.